What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have a former pro, now the head coach of Burroughs down in Burbank, Austin Pope. Welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you, family. I appreciate yes, you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, me and Austin, we've been connected maybe for about a year or so um, more recently, but have, have definitely connected in that time. And um, he's, he's, he's a hooper, man. Let's just put it to you like that. He, he belongs on this show, and we're going to um, talk about his journey. Um, we put this show together to inspire the next generation, to give them the real information they need to get to the next level and to reach their goals and to just talk hoop. So, Man, I'm appreciative to be on it, man. I've been tuning in, and I'm thankful, thankful. Awesome, awesome. So we start this off with the wall of hoop movies. Um, your favorite hoop movie of all time and why? There's a couple missing. We yes. always like to mention this. Rebound with Martin Lawrence. Oh, Just that. Right with Common and Queen Latifah. <laughs> uh, Space Jam 2 is not up there. Yeah. There's a more recent movie with uh, Woody Harrelson um, as well. That's not up there. So a couple movies, okay. but I'm pretty sure your favorite. No, nah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> man, you uh, put me on the spot to start it off, man. Um, I'd say... Out of all of them, I'd say Love and Basketball probably hits the home the hardest. Uh, my mom uh, went to Crenshaw High School back in the day, and she ah, was a two-time All-City player. So we watched that a lot growing up. So I grew up in that Crenshaw district. So seeing them and, and the, seeing the Crenshaw in the gym, I'm a big USC fan too. Okay. So I think that that one hits home. But I'd say if I had a close second, probably Space Jam. Yeah. Because that was so nostalgic for me uh, as a kid just growing up in, in Burbank and the L.A. area just – and seeing Mike, because that's my GOAT of all time. You're the greatest player of all time. And Speak on it. Because yeah. <laughs> these youngsters don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. They don't. And I'm a young buck, but I, I, I pay homage to the game. And that movie was so special. Just from the intro to him shooting on the basketball court. And then the, the it, oh, man, the soundtrack is chef's So kid. you sure it's uh, Love and Basketball? Or do you think it's Space Jam? <laughs> I think, okay, so Love and Basketball, too, because... Um, a bit about me is that, you know, my now fiance is in sports uh, and dope. she uh, is a coach, head, co uh, head assistant coach at Cal Lutheran University, Coach yeah. Sanchez. So love and basketball, our story and how it intertwined, I think it just ties into our uh, life. So it's, it's, it's a lot of sentimental stuff with that movie as well, <laughs> for sure. For dope, sure. Dope. So I always have this question. So when he's um, frustrated because, you know, all the things that's happening in college and he breaks up with her. You doing the same thing? No, I'm not doing that, man. Quincy needed some guidance, man. He, Thank you. You know, my brother needed some guidance. He needed, you know, to go to go to Bible study or something. You know, he needed to get right with the with the man above. You know what I mean? Because, you know, that's the time when I feel like you gotta connect more and not run right. away. But you know, I, us as black men, sometimes I feel like we stray away from that and, and we get in our shell and our box instead of uh, holding the ones closest to us. So absolutely, my wife hates that movie. For that reason? Uh, she says that he didn't really love her. Like, why did she have to play him for his heart and all that? And then he won, and then he want to act like he loved her. She hates that movie, but I'm like, she don't get She ain't a hooper at all. I'm like, you don't get it, all right? If you hoop for love, that means it means something. So Real talk. Yeah. Real talk. Awesome. So um, when did you fall in love with basketball? Uh, age of three. Age three. of three. Uh, I was a young man, young, young hooper. Uh my mom played, I referenced that. My uncle played at Long Beach State. He knows a lot of college coaches like Donnie Daniels and those guys that are now in the college game. He played mm -hmm. against them. And then I had three cousins that were like immediate family, um, the McGee. So uh, Anthony McGee uh, went to Eastern Washington. Antoine McGee went to Colorado Boulder. And then my youngest cousin of them 
went to Louisville, Andre McGee. Andre McGee. Yeah, hey, I'll so, say, I'll say, oh, that's, man. That's, that's family, So man. you got a hoop family. Man, I grew up yep. in it, and uh, I was always, like, the little young one. You know, even mm -hmm. though I'm taller than all of them, I was always... <laughs> They had a backyard uh, at my uncle's house where uh, I fell in love with the game, and they had a basketball court with no backboard on it. So, you know. Well, you order, had to have a strap. You had to have a strap. You had to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to play defense. You got to have a strap. So I've been in love with the game since I was three. Absolutely. Man, that's dope. And so when did you start? When do you think you start taking the game seriously as far as development goes? When did that start happening? I know back in the day, we used to just hoop, right? When, what, when did you have your first trainer developer? Man, uh, first trainer, I would actually have to say, and he tied into, into being my coach, is Jason Hart. Oh. Yeah, Jay Hart. That's my guy, uh, big bro mentor kind of guy. I ended up yeah. playing for him in AU, but um, he used to go to Burbank High School camps and speak as a, as a guest speaker. And I was in like sixth, fifth, sixth grade, and I was MVP at the camp. And he lived locally in the, in the Valley area, right. and I would go to the Burbank YMCA, and he saw me from the camp, and then he was like, hey, young fellow, like, Let's work on a couple things. He taught me how to play off two feet, things that he still preaches to, to this day yep. that guards need to have. And he just taught me the game. And that was the first time I really was, like, learning how to, like, do certain things on the court was through Jay Hart, 100%. Man, that's dope. Jay Hart was our second guest on the show. And so he blessed us. Yeah, phenomenal, no. phenomenal dude, <laughs> yeah. man. No, awesome, man. He's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. So you had an NBA player as <laughs> your, like, first mentor kind of influence that, that brought you everything. Let me ask you this. Who taught you how to shoot? Cause I always take this when somebody's parents played. Yeah. Did mom teach you how mom to shoot? Mom taught me how to shoot. Cause mom had the strap, man. My mom had yeah. the jumper. Uh, they called her Lil Cooper back in high school. She was number 21 and she had a silky smooth jumper. Um, and she always taught me how to line it up, big hand on the ball, follow through, guide hand, yep. um, everything. She was, she was phenomenal in that. So I appreciate that. Shout That's out dope. to mom. When did you start hitting the grassroots scene with AAU basketball? So I started when I was probably, we had a small town team called Slam Squad in Burbank. Most people don't know about, um, uh, by the name of, a coach by the name of Brinson Early. Uh, very religious man, about a 6'8", 6'9", white dude that played back in the day. And mm -hmm. he just had a love for the game. And he brought a bunch of kids from the Valley area to go play on the AU circuits, right? So we had a bunch of star kids. We had two pro, three, three college players, myself, my boy Andre Spite and Lawrence White. Lawrence White ended up playing at UC Davis. Mm -hmm. Dre played at Arizona State and then out and then Northern Colorado and myself playing at Chaminade. So um, and we had Jack Flaherty on our team, which is now the pitcher for the Orioles. Yeah. Um, we had a very good group of guys. Um, and we we got we hit the scene in fifth, sixth grade, used to play locally, and we were really tough. Really tough. Nope. Really tough. Nope. Any anybody do you, that you remember playing against during that time that is a pro or a high level player now? At that time, I think we played against Tyler Dorsey because we're about the same oh, age. Man. Yeah, TTD <laughs> tough. He right. was tough at that age too. And um, I mean, we had our battles for sure. I, for, I can't think. I think we played against. Um, we didn't play. We played against um, Marcus Levette too on mm -hmm. the young grassroots yep. team. So it was some tough guys, tough matchups for us early, early on until before I hit the high school scene where that was like that AU scene was different for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. Southern California people don't like you just said. You had three college players and a, a MLB pitcher on your team, just a local small team. Like it is saturated out here with talent, man. And man. sometimes we get overlooked because of that. It's like, man, they're we're they're comparing us to our peers in this area, where it 
man, you can't do that. You if you took your game to Montana, you'd be that dude. You know what I mean? Be crazy. We'd be <laughs> right. crazy over there. Right. And no offense to Montana. No, no, if, no, no. I don't know any Hoopers they produce. But yeah, any which yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's a uh you know, that saturation factor in Southern California. But I think it just builds us to be good and your journey, you still got to be a pro, regardless of where you landed in the, the totem pole in Southern California. Ball. Absolutely, because of how saturated and how good it is, man. It's best best hoops in the in the in the in the, in the states, in my opinion. So. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, in the world. Yeah, talking about in the states. I'm gonna say the world. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, man. I'm gonna be bold. What are we on the game? We on elevate the game. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, all right. So now stepping into middle school, let me ask this. Um, when what what kind of player are you on the court? Um, I know people y'all could go look at his Instagram and see who he is now. What mm-hmm. kind of player were you as a younger kid, and did that stay consistent through your whole career? I think it did. And me and my friend, uh, one of my close friends, Jay, we talk about it all the time. Like I think my game that I have now was exactly the same. It mm-hmm. just now it was more enhanced, more evolved, more strong, more strength. But I've always been a very versatile player, mm-hmm. um, a two way player. I've always played defense and I've always scored the rock. But also on top of scoring and being a facilitator, um, just being able to be a stat sheet stuffer. I think I've just yeah. naturally just been that way. It's weird. I've never practiced it. Uh, one of my strong suits as a player is rebounding. Mm-hmm. And as a guard, you know, guards don't like to get their fingernails dirty and go get in there and rebound. We're always told to get be the first one back. Yes. But I was always the tallest player on my teams coming up. So I would grab rebounds and then push the break. Yeah. Um, so my, my idol growing up was Magic Johnson in that regard because he was so cerebral and pushing the break and having fun in transition. So I think that translated to my, my middle school and now and how I play now until until this day. So Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Where do you think that the, I guess, because it sounds like you're you're a worker, right? You want to do that does a little bit of everything, kind of does the dirty work on the court. Where do you think that came from? Is there some moment in your childhood or a way that you were brought up that kind of brought that mindset to the game? I think so. I was actually also having this conversation with my kids that I play, uh, that I have for high school. Most kids nowadays don't know how to even play the game of 21, right? The game of 21. So I think 21 developed my game and my mindset because I'm playing against my peers, my cousins. We in the backyard in LA and we get into it, four of us, and we playing the 21. And you have to learn how to rebound. You got to learn how to, you know, tip the ball. You got to learn how to score in space. You got to, and get down to game point. You got to play through contact, right? <laughs> you know, you get to 20, 20, it's, 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 it's contact with being involved. So I think learning how to play, you know, around multiple people, essentially being able to play in crowds, I think mm-hmm. it helped me out, um, exp- really expedited my growth. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think playing pickup, just playing pickup with guys, uh, older guys in the park. I was, a, I was one of those park kids where I just go to the park and play with the older dudes. And then when I'm on the court with the older dudes, I can't always have the ball in my hands, right? So right. I got to be effective without the ball. How do you mm-hmm. be effective without the ball? You got to go get a rebound. You put it up and score. Now you got the OGs respect a little bit more. Right. You're making the extra pass. And then I think that's how my game kind of just evolved naturally. Awesome. Yeah. And then working through middle school on your way to high school. So you just picked the local high school that you lived live by. It wasn't a, you know, nowadays, you know, it's recruiting and finding the school and all that. What, how, how was that uh, transition into high school for you? It was it was tough. I'm not gonna lie. It was still even though um, I'm young, I'm older, but I'm still young in the regard of this generation. I still caught like the social media aspect and the recruiting mm-hmm. aspect of it because, yes, I lived maybe two blocks away from Burbank High School, but due due to my AAU status and I went to a couple camps where I was recognized um, locally and also on the West Coast. Um, there was schools that took liking by the time I hit summer league. So, Alamany, my guy, Coach Meeks, that's yeah. my guy. 
um, Notre Dame at the time, Coach Vega. Yeah. You know, um, Harvard Westlake, this is before they got really big. Those are the teams that were all in our summer league. And, you know, Crespi, Coach Wright, White, and Loyola's. Like, there was a bunch of schools that were trying to take me out of my pocket. But mm-hmm. my coach, Coach Hernan- Jose Hernandez at the time, he had me since I was in fifth grade at the Young Dogs camp. And he told me, man, if you come in here and work hard, you're going to have a varsity spot. And then from there, you're going to be able to grow, which is what you want. I'll be able to develop you. I'm not afraid of that aspect, which most coaches are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let you play. Yeah. Um, he's like, I'm going to let you play through mistakes, but also teach you the game. And I felt like I was a very loyal guy in that regard. So I That's chose awesome. Burbank High School. Absolutely. Yeah, man, you don't, you don't see it much. I think, you know, the one who comes most recent, Elijah Arenas, going to Chatsworth High, right? And being able to do him and, you know, um, you know, Gil's a big part of that, you know, his, that mindset of, hey, go somewhere where you're going to, you're going to have the ball in your hand. You're going to be able to learn and make mistakes. And, I mean, you could see the jump from his freshman to sophomore year of that, just that. And so it's a very interesting concept always because you have to balance the competition level in practice as well. Yeah. Because you're usually that dude, and, it's you know, the, your teammates may not be on your skill level. So where do you get that competition from in practice on a day-to-day basis? But when the games come, you got the ball in your hand, you got you in the war. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I appreciate that aspect that Gil has brought because I've always had that mentality with my parents too. It's like, you know, and also the mentality, if they're good enough, they'll find you. That's, yes. That's the biggest thing. Yes. If they're good enough, they will find you. All Absolutely. kids out there, so. So high school, rolling into high school, did you, were you able, uh, what level did you play as a freshman? Uh, started out JV and then I ended up being on varsity halfway, essentially halfway through the year. So I was okay. like a four-year varsity guy. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And, uh, we kind of hit the ground running. I was a young Bambi, you know, kind of guy. <laughs> I was, I, I started out high school at about five, nine, five, ten, which was tall for my grade. And then from five, ten, I was wearing a size nine and a half. And then by the time midway through my freshman year, I went to six, two and I was wearing a size 14. Oh my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I was, um, I had that big, I had a big growth spurt and uh, I was always long and athletic and I kind of started to fill out my body and then I, I hit the ground running from there for nice. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And then so any memorable games, the early part of your high school career, freshman, sophomore year and some, some battles. Um, I think your sophomore year is when you guys made it to the final four yes. of the CIF playoffs. Yes. And so yeah. what was that experience like? Man, it was um, an experience at uh, probably top five moment in my career. Absolutely. Just being a part of that um, experience and playing an integral piece in that. I wasn't just a guy on the team. I was a starter. Um, I was a, I was an all-league guy for us, uh, all-CIF member. So, you know, um, we had a very strong point guard at the time. That was a senior, Argan Gregorian, and he was special. He made spectacular play, and he was our leader. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, you know, I helped with that and being um, – I always reference that team to a – 2014 or uh, Spurs because mm-hmm. we shared the basketball. We always played the game the right way through our coach. We had a really good dribble drive system. And I was young Kawhi Leonard on that team where I was asked to guard every team's best player. But then on the offensive side of the ball, I was very good at slashing, getting to the basket and picking my spots. And as the season progressed, as it got to winning time, playoff time, my role started just getting more prominent and prominent. And I think the game that solidified that was we played against Canyon High School on the road. Mm. And we were in like a dud. We were in like a, it was like a, a, like a low spot in the game. And I was locking up their best player at the time. And then I, I went on to have like a 9-0 run, hit a three. And then they had to call a timeout after the three. Then I come out, get a few steals in a row, got an and one. And mm. then they had to call another, burn another one. And I think the confidence was just brewing in me from that. And then another moment that I'm not afraid to admit is we played against Compton High School, which is 
you know, historically very, very good at that time. And Anthony January, and they had a really strong team. And the first play of the game was drawn up for me. We're doing dribble, dribble handoffs. And until the ball got to my corner and I was going to backdoor and go dunk it. First play of the game to kind of set the mood. And I went up and tried to go dunk it and I got, I missed it. I got hung. Uh. And, uh, you know, it was a very humbling moment for me, <laughs> to say the least. I got hung and, you know, I, I had to realize that, like, you know, you're not bigger than the game. You got to prepare. You know, I thought I was going to just walk into things because I've been doing well, but it, the game will humble you in a yeah. heartbeat. So, during, the, during this time, what was your work ethic like outside of games? Like, were you, were, when, how often were you training? What time were you training? What were your, what was your training regimen? My training regimen, so my mom worked in downtown LA, uh, City National Bank as a uh, private banker, right down on Flower Street. So, in order for her to get to work before 7, 8 a.m., she was dropping me off at, uh, at the local YMCA, and that's right half a block away from my high school. Mm -hmm. So I was in the gym working out as soon as they worked up, or, or as soon as the gym opened up at 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. every day, every day. Yeah. And uh, I would just work, and I had creativity because I didn't have a trainer, so I knew what I needed to work on. So I would just do certain moves and have my imagination. That's why I think the way I play mm -hmm. is so free flowing and so different because I'm playing as if like I'm imagining that people are in front of me and like. I'm playing against my imagination. And I think kids nowadays, to complement training, they don't have an imagination. Right. Like, you'll tell a kid, I want you to go to this spot and do a two-dribble pull-up. And you and it's like, okay, but that can look a lot different for each kid. Right. Right? Like, this painting on this wall, if you ask a bunch of kids to paint this picture, that's it might look different. different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. your two-dribble pull-ups are going to look different. So mm -hmm. for me, that's the approach that I had as a, as a, as a basketball player at that time was just work as hard as possible and keep my creativity and my curiosity at an all-time high. How do you, do you do that with your players now? How do you yes. apply that to your training and development? I mean, I do the same thing my kids know. We have Breakfast Club um, where I open up the gym optionally um, from 5 a.m. to 7.30 right before zero period. And it took liking to one kid. And then now if you go on there any given day during the week, you probably got 25, 30 kids in my program up at 5, 6 a.m. Yep. Getting it in, we, we, have a, we have a side that gets work in with me. And then we'll have a side that plays games, and I want kids to play competition, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with three dribbles or we play four-on-four and four -on -four once it gets a little crowded, mm -hmm. learn how to play through actions, play through space, um, and just play the game. I think kids nowadays, they don't play it enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They train, which is a beautiful aspect, but they need to also apply it 100%. In, in, in the real game flow and try try those things and don't be afraid to mess up. So Yeah, 100% balance on that. I think a lot of people are like, yep. I got the best trainer, the best developer, and that's great. You're learning the skills, but if you cannot put them on the court and apply them regularly, like as a part of your game, then there's an imbalance. And we talk about that with core. That's what we do. We take it slow at first. We do a lot of fundamental work because these kids come into middle school, eighth graders who don't know how to jump stop, don't know how to finish off two feet, don't know how to do certain things, know how to shoot. Like we start there, but after that, Everything's a competition. Yeah. Everything has a shadow on you. Everything has a read. And that's what you're learning how to read and feel. Like you said, everybody has a different move or feel to their, their body. Yeah. And so making sure that they are able to figure themselves out. Fridays is pickup. Sideline, pickup, five on five, winner's court, loser's court. Yeah. Just play. We don't coach. Unless it gets really, really ugly. Yeah, like yeah. it does sometimes. Like, yo, man, <laughs> pass the ball, man. Nobody wants to see you dribble 15 times. But just letting them play, and I think that's um, I think that that's the part. Like you said, yeah. I, I almost I ain't even gonna say it on camera. We're gonna talk because yeah. I, I I like the idea of like playing twenty one. I think there's a space for that. 
a the, real space a for real that. space yeah. man it's a it's a it's a it's a thing that the great ones have all had to do i mean yeah. and i'm taking it a step further for yourself too because you know i've also been blessed enough to coach one of your proteges in aeneas right mm-hmm. and yeah. aeneas has core prep written all over him the things that you just mentioned right playing off to very good pace very good creativity he just has a, a winning knack for winning a possession but also like for you right i know i see a pot but i yeah, have to ask you right you being able to still because i watch your page you still get up i've seen you dunk i've seen you do things being able nah, to that's show- camera tricks karina made me dunk that's not real shout out to karina <laughs> <laughs> stop it man for, for me as a as a basketball player seeing jay hart at that age being able to show me how to do a move yes. versus just tell me to get to a spot is way different because it, I'm so visual, right? Yes. And kids are so visual nowadays on social media. So by them, you telling them, I see your videos, you show them this is how you come to a stop and then you'll go through a live action. It's like, ah, this is what he means. Yes. Like, it's, that's, a, that's a blessing. The kids, kids don't, they don't get that type of blessing all the time. So I just had to give you a flowers oh, on your man. show for that. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate Absolutely. it. No, I, I learned that from the OG, man, Chris Johnson really showed me that the trainers that I would work for before really weren't hooper hoopers and they just knew how to work people out Mm -hmm. and conditioning is one thing which is super important for somebody who already has the talent and skills Mm -hmm. but showing somebody how to do something because everybody communicates different you got to be able to verbalize it you got to be able to show it you got to be able to connect it with something and so those are the things that I really focused on and actually Drew Hanlon, through me just watching Drew Hanlon stuff online, is the one who really helped me communicate, because he's so he's so cerebral in that, yeah. Man, so yeah, I just I took a little bit of everybody and kind of created my own stuff. Um, I've always I've always had it too. Um, before I even started watching them, I would notice my kids doing that because I I just wanted to explain it. Like I hated. I grew up. Everything I do now is because I didn't have it. I grew up where. Nobody was telling me why I was doing stuff. They would teach me, and I'm a quick learner, but I didn't understand basketball until I was 24, 25. Until I started, like, right before I started training, I really understood the game. I could hoop. Don't jump with me. I'm a dunk on you. Like, I can can go. Defensively, I I knew a little bit more, but nobody really explained to me why. Why am I attacking that spot? Where's, like, oh, yeah, there's help defense, but what's the angle I take? Nobody showed me that until later in life. And then it all came together, and I'm like, you know, well, I guess I got to give it to somebody else because I can't use it. I'm old. Nah, so. let's stop it, man. Stop it. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm old, man. I'm 73 in these knees, oh, man. man. Basketball years. <laughs> in basketball years, I'm 73, <laughs> man. So, um, no, man. Let's uh, back to back to high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, your freshman year, so you played for for the Pump Brothers. Yes. Um, yes that you played with them through your through the entirety career, of high school. My careers. Yes, awesome. yes. We uh, had some special teams. They had a variation in the Valley Valley Pump and Run. Yeah. at the time and then I graduated to go to play on with Jason Hart right but okay before I get to that it's so crazy how the young game and the young coaches I, I'm a big fan of young coaches because I think that like coach Prince for example they're young and they're energetic and they're fun so the coaches that were in double at double pump at that time were Bill Bedgood which is mm-hmm. now Valencia State Championship David Rabibo, oh, man. which is just one of your recent guys as well and he's I mean I, I don't even need to say what he is to the game he was at El Camino, you know what I mean, yep. at the time. And he was figuring it out, I'm sure, and going through his process. And then you look literally less than a, like a decade later and look what he's built out. And, um, and that's just so beautiful to see. But those are like the, the staples of the Valley Pump and Run. And then we started, and Ryan Silva was still a part of that before he went mm-hmm. over to West Coast Elite. 
and we had some unbelievable teams. Um, we had teams with Spencer Dinwiddie, Amir Garrett, um, Xavier Johnson. Man. And then uh, my senior year team, we had uh, Mamadou Ndai that went to UC Irvine, 7'6". Mm-hmm. Uh, but he Bar- went to high school out here? Yeah, he went to high school at, uh, it was a school out in like um, Green and White School. I can't think of the name, but he came. Rebe? No, 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 no. He went to, um, it was like a real public, uh, private school. Like he went to a school. And it was in, in the a, Valley? In the, in the, I want to say it was in the Valley or OC. Okay. It was like a D5 school. Got you. Okay. And he was going crazy. That's yeah. why if you look at his highlights out there, he was going crazy. And obviously, he was a cheat code in the AU circuit for right. a guard. You just yeah. throw it up to the, close your eyes, throw it up, and <laughs> right. go get it. Um, and then we had Elijah Brown as a modern day. Mm-hmm. Tyron Wallace went to Cal Berkeley. And then uh, Brandon Randolph, which was extremely special. He ended up yeah. with the St. Burners, went to Inglewood, and then went to Xavier, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. We had a, we had a really stacked team all throughout my high school career, for sure. Yeah, so the circuit back then was just a regular circuit. It wasn't a shoe-based thing, was we, it? We were Adidas. So was we Adidas, were Adidas okay. my junior year. That's when we started getting a lot of the, the that love and that, that Adidas juice. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? Going to different tournaments. Uh, we played a tournament out in Florida. That was like a big Adidas event. And then that was 64, Adidas Super 64. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, played against um, Dream Vision and all those kind of teams. So it started really, really taking off like when I was like a sophomore, junior with the shoe stuff. Got it. So when did you start getting recruited by colleges? When did that whole action start for you sophomore going into junior year so after i had the playoff run i went to a pangos camp um the mm-hmm. pangos all-american and also the um it was like a west coast soft so- sophomore event and i did very well i got written up by dinos and uh, a couple of different writers joe Fra- francisco that was at espn yeah. um as like a sleeper in my class um and then from there my first ever letter I got in the mail was actually from a D3. It was from Occidental. Okay. And then slowly after that, it followed Pepperdine, Long Beach State. Um, I had Harvard. I had some really good, uh, at the time, Yanni uh, Hipnago. He was at, at Harvard. Um, that's when it really kind of started taking off a little bit, for sure, sophomore year. Dope. And then so uh, going into your junior year, you guys just coming off the CIF run. What was the expectation going into that junior year, and how did it turn out for you? <laughs> yeah, that was that's a tough one. That's a, we laid a dud that year. We had probably on paper one of the most talented teams to ever come out of the Burbank district. But I think the expectation for us to do better, and now we had more pieces, more younger pieces, more cerebral, versatile pieces. I think the expectation was high, and uh, I think it was hard. It was essentially like a, in the basketball terms, like the Brooklyn Nets, where you had so much talent and so many egos, and it just didn't blend. Mm in the time that it needed to. We needed to take a couple years of it for it to really, versus the year before, that, that group had been together from freshman year to senior year. They had camaraderie. You kind of put us this pieces together and expect us to win. And we ended up losing in the second round in the Mission Viejo. Um, statistically, it was a good year for me. I mean, but I'm more of a, my mom always taught me, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you got to win. Yeah. So you can have... 30 points and 20 rebounds, but if you didn't win, wipe that game out. I mean, yeah. it's cool, but you got to win the game. You got to win the game. Right, so right. that game, that that year was not a, a good one for us. <laughs> and then uh, senior year, what was that? Good. good. Great, 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 great. <laughs> we, you know, we, we, we finished it out the right way. For me, my senior year was a little untraditional because I played out my senior year. I was a young kid for my grade. I should have probably been held back. So I was seven, just turned 17, like, as the season was ending kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, June birthday? Yes. Yeah, uh, so, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm a June kid. Dang. So, right, that's what part of that process where heading into high school, people were asking me 
to get held back with the recruiting aspect of the private schools because I was so young. Mm -hmm. So um, when the season ended, I departed and went to a prep school. Okay. Like literally right when season ended, my senior year flow was over. I was like, all right, well, I'm young enough. I reclassed. I knew I had. I didn't have the academics that I should have. Okay, and I was I about to ask. So you had all these Division ones recruiting yeah. you, academics. So what? What was the? What was the? Was opportunity there for you? What? What was that like? Man, I mean, I, I, and that's why I think I got into the coaching space is to show kids that, you know, you're not invincible in the game no matter how good you are. Because I thought just because I could put the ball in the hole and I knew how to do certain things that things are just going to be gifted to me. But it doesn't work like that because you still got to go to class as a student athlete for a reason. And, you know, I think I let, I was drinking the Kool-Aid a lot in high school where, you know, I was the guy and, you know, I'm one of few black kids at the school and everybody's kind of like taking pictures with me and you the guy and they pumping me up in the newspaper. But then I'm not going to class like I'm supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm slacking off thinking that I could just coast through assignments when I'm graded on the scale just like everybody else. So I fell behind in that regard and then came that decision time. Like I had Colorado, um, that's the time they took Spencer, yeah. right? And I was a year younger. And, you know, I'm thinking, all right, they're going to just give me a scholarship or something. And when it came to that, uh, I actually have a funny story, but when it came to the transcripts, they were like, this is your sliding score SAT that you need. And I wasn't the hugest test taker. So went into the SAT, laid a dud. And then uh, it was funny before I get to that, Harvard really liked me. <laughs> and and uh, as people know, that's a very prestigious <laughs> academic school. Right. And I was not a studious individual at the time. And you know, I used to get letters from them all the time. And I remember I had a teammate that actually ended up going to Brown and I would give him my letters because I was like, man, you're going to need this more than me. <laughs> you, could, you can maybe fill out these questionnaires because I'm, I'm definitely not going to be going out of high school. But um, but then I took a very humbling approach out of that and, and learned. And I ended up going to a junior college. So, yeah, absolutely. What prep school did you go to? So it was a it was a cross between at the time it was Stonebridge Prep and oh, yeah. La Jolla Prep. OK, so they expanded Stonebridge and go to La Jolla by a guy named Gary Truesdale. Um, it probably wasn't the best situation for me. If I would have gone back, I would have did research, um, more research because I had South Kent at the time. I had, oh. yeah, at the time, but I was a kid from <laughs> LA and I didn't know what that is. You, you're telling me to go out there and I'm like- Derail, you should have hit derail. You I know, know, I like, know, man, I was <laughs> tripping. I, it, my trajectory would have been a little different. You right, know, right, but, right. Um, I just, I, all I knew was here. Yeah. All I knew, I'm only I'm only child. All I knew was here. So I was like, I'm going to just go to this this spot. And mm -hmm. um, I, I turned it out. We still had some really good teams. But ultimately, it didn't, it ended up flopping as far as their academic situation. They were at a, like a charter school, but it wasn't accredited. So it was just this whole. Let's talk about that. No, I think this is perfect because we don't really, we haven't had this opportunity to talk about something like that on this show. <laughs> I talk about it personally all the time is make sure you guys know there's a lot of prep schools popping up. The academic piece is central. They can tell you everything they want about basketball and what they're providing and the national schedule exposure their connection to college coaches. But if the accreditation isn't clean on the academic side, which you can go check online by yourself on the NCAA portal, go check, find, ask them, ask them a simple question. What's your NCAA school code? If you ask them their school code, they should have one on hand, ready to go. That school code to let you know what classes are uh, accredited so you could be qualified for college. And also go check with the colleges that are interested in you and make sure they accept those classes. It's all online. Ask for the NCA school code, whatever prep school that there is. Now, a lot of them are super legit now. They've, they've, they, I think they've remedied that problem for the mm -hmm. most part. 
but just be careful with that it's when it comes to the academic side. Absolutely. I am free. I will do that for free to check the academic side for y'all. So Use this dude, hit man. me up. Hit me up if you guys have questions about that because it's your future we're talking about. It's not about the rest of this stuff. It's about the academic part. So we're here as your resource for that. Uh, so man, I, yeah. no, that was, that's, I'm looking at this camera. That's a yes, million dollars worth of game right there, man. He just gave y'all young fellas a million dollars worth. And that I wish I could have gone back, but that's why I'm doing what I do. Yep. And just speaking to the kids and shining light on it because it, it needs to be uh, it needs to be shown because I went into it just off of the basketball aspect. Okay, you're going to be playing against this. You're going to be playing. And that's all I thought about. That's mm -hmm. all I cared about was the basketball piece. But having the academic piece allows you to then explore your options basketball-wise. And you know, um, the accreditation conversation was very tough because I found out essentially like halfway through the season. So I'm like, man, right. if I would have, you know, known this, I would have just went to junior college straight out instead mm -hmm. of trying to, trying to like nimble my way through and just slide in, you know, but, um, that's a very, very key thing. Very, very key. Yeah. And so your next step was junior college. So yes. how, how did that come about? Uh, you went to Northern Idaho, mm -hmm. North Idaho, right? Mm -hmm. And so what how did you get to Idaho? Let's talk about man, it. Man, listen here, man. So before I get into that too, man, you know, junior college for kids, do not shy away from it if you have it. Please don't because it'll make or break you. But for the most time, it's always going to make you. I'm telling you right now, there's uh, junior college kids. Um, they're built a little different, a little different. And now they have access to the last chance use of the world and they yeah. get the chance to see it more live action but um for me i you know i kind of so how junior college came up is because coach tad boy at the time at, at um, colorado was like okay we're up in here in this uh pacific northwestern region we want to still recruit you actively recruit you these are the list of junior colleges that we we can actively recruit from it was colorado northwestern which wasn't very good um, Southern College of Southern Idaho, where Pierre Jackson went, and a lot of Trinkle. Trin yeah, yep. yeah. So I played. I played for his son at Dodge City Community College. Really? His, when he was the assistant. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Small, small world, world yep. man. <laughs> wow. And then uh, North Idaho College. So mm -hmm. you know, I, I also had like um, Indian Hills. A lot of a lot of national junior colleges were interested in me at the time, and now I know that they've opened up the platform for California JUCOs to be essentially like national, where you're free, you're going to school for free. Oh. You don't have right. to pay yeah, as yeah, much, right. you know, or pay which at the time that was my biggest thing because every local college wanted me, but I was like, yep. you know, I, I kind of didn't go local. I stayed local for prep school. I'm going to take the leap of faith and go somewhere further for, for junior college. So I went to uh, Brad Winton's, uh, he had a camp, a junior college showcase at the top 100 for incoming freshmen. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and then I went absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I was slated as a top 10 junior college player ranking wise right before the season started. And um, from there, I had my pick at a litter of where I wanted to go. And the coach, and one of the players on my team was from North Idaho College, Bryce Levitt. And he was like, look, man, I'm actually just here to get an offer, but I'm leaving. And I play a very similar style to you, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guard. He's like, look, I wanna, I really want you to go here. I'm gonna put you in contact with the coach again. We wow. spoke and then that's kind of how North Idaho happened. Man, what was your experience like in North Idaho? Life-changing, life-changing. I mean, it changed my whole life. Um, you know, it, it gave me the, because, you know, for kids that don't, if you're non-qualifier, which I was, you have to go for two years. You can't just graduate and, you know, leave out of there in, in a year or whatever. You can't just, after one year, transfer. So I had to, it, was, it took me a step back, humbled me. Uh, there's not a lot going on in Quarter Lane, Idaho. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful spot, but there's maybe, you know, 2,000, 3,000 people in the city. Wow. You know, it's a very small, tight-knit group, but um, it's very close to Spokane, Washington. Okay. And, um, you know, I got a chance to, with that being said, I got a chance to really focus on what needed to be focused on, yep. which was academics, which was which was basketball. So, 
my academics were on point, and then also my my basketball was at an all-time premium because now I'm playing with guys that are getting recruited from Rainier Beach. I had a lot of Rainier Beach kids okay. um, that came to my pro, to our program. We had uh, Brian and Gola Rodas that ended up going to Florida State. Dejon Piper, he ended up playing uh, committing to Minnesota, Fuquana. We had like our starting five was six four and above at the junior college level. Sheesh. Yeah, we had we had two seven footers coming off the bench. Like we were very long, very. <laughs> this athletic. is a freshman year. Yes, yes, we Man. were nasty. Both years I was there, we were absolutely nasty. I, I put money that our team could have been a, a collegiate four year school as easily. Do you guys make it to the national? You made it to Hutch? Yeah, yeah, to Hutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, one year, but then the second year, uh, ah, it's tough. <laughs> we had a regional. We had a regional, and uh, a couple players just didn't perform the way we should have. And you know, they know we know who they are, but it's just, it's just, it's just the way it happens sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be playing the right t- in the in the co- in the conference tournaments. You got to yes. be playing the right way at the right time, and we just weren't doing that that year. And uh, but the recruitment still was amazing. So, absolutely. Oh, but it was junior colleges. For players who seniors who don't have offers to any schools, or they know they're not going to qualify for the grades, what are the three things you can tell them to think about as they're considering junior colleges? Um, consider a place that is going to make you better. First and foremost, like player, they're going to develop you. They're not shying away from that because most people, like I talked about before, they'll sell you the dream, they'll bring you on. But as soon as you're not doing what they thought you were going to do, they'll just push you to the side and recruit over you, right? So there's got to be a development aspect and a want to. So for a kid, you got to think like, okay, look at the coach's track record. Who have they developed? Who have they put out? Um, number two is is actually asking the academic piece and being and being very, very, actually, that should be number one actually um just being very transparent about the academic situation at their school and how they how they are what what is their percentages of graduation what do i need do you have these classes because then i want to pro- go to this major at this university for my four year um those are key and then um three is get out of your comfort zone a little bit i think getting out yes. of your comfort zone you know i think once you're in your comfort zone like had i gone to santa monica or glendale college i don't know if you get this version of me yes you know so just being able to get outside the box because you learn so much. I have lifelong friends that I met at those places, people that are going to be at my wedding as groomsmen, like, you know what I mean? And you meet lifelong friends and you you have that shared bond that um, you can't ever get back in those experiences. So 100%. My biggest change for basketball, like I was out here, I was working hard and all that. When I went to Kansas, I moved to Kansas my senior year, um, changed my life because there was nothing to do, first off. I think going somewhere where is the Midwest and somewhere that's different where there's not a lot of distractions like LA has for these LA kids is so important if you really want to do this basketball thing. And it, your work ethic just goes up for some reason. I don't know what it is exactly. If I could pinpoint it, maybe just the comfortability around being around people, but that you have to, you're competing against people you don't know. And you're you're trying to get some you have a you want to get out of this place too you don't want to live in a town with some people do but a lot of people don't want to live in a town with two or three thousand people so you're trying to get up out of here and go to you know go reach your your goals and your dreams so that's very good advice i think i think because of the nature of today's game junior college is a very respectable option for anybody who really wants to pursue their basketball dreams and it's not easy it's not easy especially in california where most of these schools, they pay for your, your tuition. Now, your tuition's kind of covered, 
but you got to pay for housing yeah. unless you go Allen Hancock. Shout out to Allen Hancock. Yeah. They treat them like a real yeah, like college up there. Yeah, like a, so. Um, but there's and there's several other schools who have situations that are like that. But really look out of state. Put yourself go to camps and and things like that to be seen. I know um, West Coast Elite does a good job. They have this the JUCO camps and um, just other options. Really talk about those junior college options because. You got to play pro, man, from, <laughs> from junior college, I, and I have many friends who have and had opportunity to go to major universities and continue their education and playing ball. You have to go there ready to work, though. Man, you can't go there and be the same person. You cannot. You got to grow, and I think the it's a, it's a lot more grown man in that in that environment. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a kid friendly environment. It's it's for people like I had junior college teammates that were bounced back from Division ones. Yes. You know couple bounce back d1 d2 22 23 years old already and here you are 18 19 and you're just like you have to get used to that kind of bump because what happens is colleges nowadays especially are going to be looking for guys that are college ready yes. for the most part because 100%. of the portal right so with the college portal and then also they're looking for guys that are ready or they're hitting the junior college portal because they know that the junior college kids are ready so as a high school kid if you're not getting that love go ahead and hop into that junior college uh, environment and get a lot of that experience and learn the game against high quality players that are you're playing against people that have played at the levels that you want to play at mm -hmm. and it's going to make you definitely a better player or one at one thousand percent absolutely 1, so junior college followed up you go to Chaminade University yes how did that how did um so Chaminade's a division two correct yes so you you had division one dreams you had Colorado kind of directing you to a place what happened to where you know you it's a great opportunity not taking yes. away anything from it you just had Division One opportunities. You had to go to a D two. What 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 led to that? Okay, so it goes back to like I said, I tell my story all the time. So um, when I was going through the North Idaho process, which is why I tell you, no no slight to North Idaho. I think there was miscommunication on both fronts, on my front and on their front, um, about the academic piece. So my academics at North Idaho were outstanding. It wasn't about my academics like it was in high school. It wasn't that I had bad grades. Now I had so much credits that me transferring from a junior college to a division one at the time with the clock my clock division one was one year i had one year to play i had one year to play whoa so just because of based off of your my credit credits, unit. yes because i took so when i first got there my whole big thing which i which i referenced was i got to graduate i got to get out of here quick as possible so i took full-time units right off the back in the summer i'm talking about from the summer i got there which oh, started wow. my clock different Man. so i ended up that started my clock so yeah, I had all these transferables and I had everything I needed, but when they got to the compliance center um, at the at the four-year university division one level, they're looking at it like, yeah, you have it, but on track right now, you're already in your junior year. By the time you get to us, you're essentially a semester and a half away from graduating, so you'd be a senior. So it was, when I got there, you have, you're supposed to have four full-time semesters that transfer you over. Right. I had five. So mm. you're technically already a junior Academic right when I, when I got in, and so I had my, I only had one year to play, and that's where big Mike, uh, Michael Thomas, the shout out to Mike comes in because my final, I had my junior college, I told you I was top 10 and um, in my class, one of the top guards. And I had my final five schools were Creighton, Hawaii, um, Oklahoma State, TCU. And then I had Arizona State, USC, Montana. I had all these schools that were interested in me and I'm still very close with all these coaches to this day. Man. And um, you know what happened, what ended up happening was so I, I originally, so after our conference tournament, we lost. I had a uh, scheduled visit to go to Creighton for Coach McDermott. 
and it, they snowed in, which was very similar to North <laughs> Idaho. So I was like, dang, like we have to make an, a, another adjustment. And my AU teammates and people that I knew, Michael Thomas, Mike Thomas, yeah. had, uh, and he was at Hawaii. Right. And he was telling me the whole time, bro, you got to come. You'll love it. Um, Coach Benji Taylor was there at the time. And then I had Quincy Smith, who I played AU with. I had Aaron Valdez, who I played AU with. We had all these AU guys that were at Hawaii. So I was like, okay, let's get, they scheduled me a visit. Before I even went to the visit, after talking to Coach Benji and them on the phone, I committed before I went on the visit to the University of Hawaii. I committed. I was like, this is where I want to be. It's West Coast. It's a, And my coach always told me, go to, this is a key thing for kids that are getting recruited, go to the level that's recruiting you the most. Yep. Right? So, yes, I had outliers of Oklahoma State and TCU. Yes. Coach Ford was very transparent with me at the time. They had Marcus Smart. They had his son, Ford. That He was like, listen, man, we love you. Um, but most likely you're going to be in that seventh, eighth man role as when you come in and then most likely again, you're going to be in a six man role. You're not going to start. You're not going to be junior college Austin Pope yeah. at Oklahoma State. So Shout out to that coach for being real. That don't happen no more, yeah, man. Yeah, they, he, they be out here lying to these kids. He kept it, man, yeah. but, but I, he, kept it, he kept it a thousand with me. That's awesome. Um, coach Greg Marshall from Wichita State at the time. They had Clay Anthony Early, Ron Baker. Who recruited you at Wichita State? Um, coach GH, uh, Coach Here. Uh, oh, okay. So know. Kyle Linstead was there at okay. Wichita State okay. at the time. And so he coached me in high school when I was in Kansas. Uh, he started Sunrise Christian Academy. Like wow, that whole beautiful thing. beautiful program. Yeah. And oh, so he's wow. back at the helm now. But he he started it with Buddy Hilde, uh, Lulu wow. Rollins. Uh, um and then he went to Wichita State. He was at Minnesota for a while. Then went, now he's back at Sunrise as the press, uh, national coach. But beautiful, yeah. beautiful um, program that he built, man. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. But yeah, we had uh, we had Coach Greg Marshall. Everybody was up there to, to come watch us play and watch me. And uh, he was very transparent too. Look, we have Fred Van Fleet. We have these guys. Yeah. You're not going to be our guy. We we want you to be a part of it, and you'll be in our eight rotation. But you're not going to be the guy. Hawaii. There was a place for me to play, and it fit my style of play. And I was also being recruited by. From Long Beach State in high school to UCR to all the CSUN, so Fullerton. So you go to the level where you recruit the most because that's where you're supposed to be. Yes. And most kids don't do that. Now, they, they could have looked at the Oklahoma State or TCU and been like, well, back at the crib, I'm going Big 12 and people, oh, that's all they see, but then right. I don't even touch the floor. Right. Right. So UH was like uh, 100% um, my choice. And then by the time my transcripts and the letter of intent came around, I sent in everything I needed to. Compliance gave me a call and said, listen, you got flagged by the NCAA and you will be a senior here. You'll have one year to come here. So here I am faced with adversity again, and I have to, you know, have no ego in it. And, you know, it was very challenging because for me, my goal is always to play professionally. So I'm like one year versus they told me I could because the the academic uh, situation and eligibility is different from D2, D3 and NAI than Division one. Right. So they told me, NCAA told me, and my mom, you can go D2, D3, NAI, you have two years, you have one year to play Division One. So I sat there, I pondered it. Um, UH still woke, welcomed me in with open arms. And Chaminade was recruiting two of my players on my team. So they watched this year round. My, my shout out to Coach Bovard, he stayed on it and he was like, he, I was the one kid on the team, obviously, because I was a Division One talent that he wanted on the team, but he was like, we're never going to get him. Right. But when I ended up falling in their lap, I ended up pivoting that visit, going to U8, University of Hawaii, and going right down the street to Chaminade that same time. So that's how I landed at Chaminade, which a ton of Division IIs were very upset because it wasn't like vocalized that I was going D2. So nobody got to recruit you like that. Nobody got the chance to recruit me, (laughs) so it kind of just fell in their lap. And um, it was that was, as we'll probably talk about, was the best 
thing could ever happen to me. Yeah, talk about it. I, I, well, I want to I want to focus on that academic piece again that happened in junior college and a, a reputable junior college. Yeah. And the communication is very important, not just for the kid. I think parents, right, have to be involved in that, you know, that part. And um, understanding all the rules to your eligibility is important. You have someone who you're obviously supposed to be a Division One player. <laughs> and you ended up at Division Two and, and made something out of it. Like, I love your attitude, man. We got to talk about how positive you are. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was always like this or always. it's just through the struggle. But, always. man, you, it seems you, you have this seamless transition through your life to whatever life is throwing at you to... All right, well, this is the next one. Let's roll with it. Where where does that attitude come from? My mom, 100% through and through. Like, my mom told me during the time when I was in high school, and, okay, you're getting these looks, cool, are coming at you. You got to go to this route. In order to still get seen, you got to play. You got to be able to show yourself. You got to produce. No matter what it is, no matter where you go, you have to show your worth. So everywhere I've gone, I've been, regardless of what's been thrown at me, I've always shown what I was capable of doing. So, okay, now... Okay, all of a sudden, this is what it is. She sat me down. I was like, you got to go Division two because that's the next highest level for Division one. You can't go in there and be nothing short of special. You can't because now people are going to look at you and be like, well, you were recruited here. You have to make it evident that that's where you were supposed to be, and you have to still perform. You can't just go there and, and think that it's just going to be handed to you just because right. it's Division two. Right. So at Chaminade, um, I, I look at Chaminade as a Division one program because – in the program's history now, in the past four years, or in the past five five to ten years, they've had three schools from the conference convert from Division two to Division one. Grand Canyon University was, a, yeah. was in Chaminade. Um, Dixie State is now Southern, uh, is, is merged as Southern Utah. And then, um, and then or uh, Utah Tech or something like that. Utah Tech, yep. Utah Tech. And then... Um, and then now recently Cal Baptist. Cal Baptist was in was division two. They were wow. in our conference. Yeah. So and and on top of that, our conference, Concordia Irvine, Azusa Pacific, um, Dominican, all these schools, we host the Mount Invitational every year. Right. Which is <laughs> that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> which is the pre which is in my opinion the best preseason basketball. Man, I've been trying to get my family like, hey, for Thanksgiving, we going to Hawaii so I can get this Maui invitational. Go man. ahead and go get <laughs> hey, go get that love, man. And you know, let us know. I'll tell my coach to shoot you guys some tickets, man, because that's an experience and that's what sold me on it, of course, because yeah. I was a high division one recruit for a lot of mid to high. And, you know, and I played against those caliber my whole career. Yeah. And my coach told me from day one, this is our Mount Invitational field for the year. You're going to play against North Carolina to start the year. You're going to play. And then we played against UConn and Tennessee in my, my junior year <laughs> on national television. And you're the guy and the ball's in your hands. Yeah. And then my senior year, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Cal Berkeley. Those are your five, those are your six that you're going to play against in your time here. What are you going to do with that? I know you say you're Division One. We'll go show the What world. did you do with that? Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So my first year, you know, we played against, uh, in my junior year, we played against North Carolina, which ended up winning the national championship that year. Okay. Um, we ended up losing by about 18, which is not bad. That's not to bad. the national yeah. champion. Um, they had Joel Berry at the one. Um, Justin Jackson in NBA. They had um, Page, seventh one. Marcus Page. Marcus Page. Yeah, they had um, seventh was. They had uh, Isaiah Hicks and Kennedy Meeks. Um, they were down there on, they were huge, like big, 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 big fellas down there. Um, that wasn't my problem as a guard. You know, I had to guard my yard, which is Joe Barry and them. And then, uh, second game we played UConn, they had Jalen Adams, Rodney Purvis, mm -hmm. um, Kevin Ollie was the coach at the time. We up at halftime, ended up losing by seven to, to UConn on national right. television. 
Third game, we lose. We lose to uh, Tennessee, Grant Williams, um, Admiral Schofield. Uh, they had squad, man. They had a they had a tough squad, and we ended up losing to them by about ten. So in that, we lost North Carolina eighteen, UConn by under ten, and Tennessee under ten. Talking about a Division two school, right? And I had I averaged about for that for that stand, I averaged fifteen four and four against those guys. Had they shooting it at a good clip, about a forty five percent clip from three um, against those guys and guard my yard and showing my capabilities. And at that time, that was when the NBA and the NCAA were shifting to testing the waters. Yep. And uh, in that field, that was Oregon was also in that field and uh, Wichita State, Wisconsin. And um, I got agents that were reaching out to my coach for me to test the waters because they were like, the kid's doing great. Yep. He lined up well against these guys. You know, we can maybe put him in position to get an NBA workout. They'll give him his, they'll give him his feedback and then he goes back to school his senior year, which is essentially what happened. And then going into my senior year flow, we played against Notre Dame which had Bonzi Cosa, Matt Farrell, Michigan. We lost to Notre Dame by about 20. Michigan, that was probably the worst loss in my college career. They beat the brakes <laughs> off of us, I can't lie. They had Mo Wagner. They had Jordan Poole. They had um, Charles Matthews. They had a, they had a squad. Yeah, they, 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 I, they, I remember that. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they beat the brakes off of us. I think they went to Elite Eight. And then we played Cal Berkeley, which is personal to me because that was a school that was in my neighborhood, in a sense, in the California district. They didn't really recruit me. And we end up beating Cal Berkeley by the largest margin in Mount Invitational history. What year was this? 2018. Uh, uh, Juwan Harris Dyson was on that team. Oh. I, I trained Juwan since he was 15. It's tough. Tough. Yeah. You're tough. But you're I remember to know you, you just triggered and said, when you beat them, I was like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was a, that's a rough year, rough that, couple years. That was, for a, the, man, that was a rough, that was a rough step for it because uh, <laughs> it was Coach Joaquin Jones at the yes. time. And yeah. uh, I remember him, man. He was good. Um, what's his name again? Jawan. Jawan, yeah. man. He was long. He's athletic. Yeah. Dark skin brother. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He. Got, I think he matched up with me a couple times as well. He was a good basketball yeah. player. He's I'm, playing overseas now. Uh, I'm happy for him. Forgot. He, last he was in Russia or somewhere over in that area. I'm happy for him. Year. But he, yeah, I could tell. Great. I could yeah. tell he would have been that guy. He was very versatile at the guard spot. I think yep. he could have played either guard spot even on the perimeter. Um, and but yeah, it was. Uh, we beat them very bad. We were by about. 15 at halftime. We never looked back. Ended up beating them. I think it was like 90, 96, 69. We almost hung up 100 on them. I had uh, I had 16, 9, and 7, zero, t zero turnovers. I was Man. on like triple-double watching the game. After the <laughs> game was over, like we was on ESPN. My phone was like... Oh, man, I ain't never had that many notifications. <laughs> we was being shown all over the internet as upset alert. And that's kind of what my coach told me. He's like, that's why you came here. It's yep. for that reason. That's dope. You came here for that. That's dope. The opportunity that you have at a Division two school, right, when all these kids think Division two is whack. And it's what puts you on, you know, continue to keep you on the map, right? And like you said, you had agents reaching out to you because if you could hoop, they will find you. It's their job to find the players who are high-level pros. Yeah. And, um, like, kids, like, stop tripping. Just do your work. I don't know how else to say that. And keep a positive attitude. I think that's the key to this all because this is life, right? Basketball is over as far as playing to an extent for you. I mean, I know you still hoop, oh, yeah, yeah. but professionally you, you've hung it up and now you're coaching. And so you're going to keep that positive attitude no matter what happens at this school, the next school or whatever else happens, that positive attitude is going to keep you with the game, mm -hmm. a part of this. And man, you like, you have joy, man. Like you get to stay connected to this. Man. You have so much joy because you, you, you've, done the right thing with this and you've taken every opportunity 
to to be who you are, man. I so appreciate that, man. Shout, yeah. Like, congrats, man. No, like, and, and honestly, I couldn't say to say I did it all by myself, man. And it goes it goes to you have to be strong, but you also have to have a strong base. You know, I'm a spiritual religious guy. You know, mm -hmm. I always praying, and my family. I grew up in a religious family, so. You know, my faith in God and everything was very strong in that. And my mom and my parents and my stepdad always kept me grounded because through those moments, you know, sometimes parents nowadays are caught by that D1 yeah. or bus buzz. Yes. Bug. You know, it's like, you know, if my son didn't go to Division One, he accomplished his dream. But there's so much more to accomplishing your dream than going to Division One. Yes. Um, so your parents stay down, stay, you know, keep 10 tones down, keep your kids humble, preach positive, whisper negative, and, and kind of go from there. like that. Oh, Note that, girl. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's going on the gram. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, all right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, what is that whole process like um, now, you know, being approached by agents and becoming a professional basketball player? What is that process like? What happened in your situation? And yeah, it's, it's very similar to the college recruiting process. It can get a little bit un overwhelming. Um, because, you know, people are selling you the dream. We can get you here. We can get you there. Uh, but my goal was always never to be in the NBA. My goal was to play professionally. Gotcha. Like, I, I got, obviously, the goal was to be in the NBA when yes. I was a young kid. But as I started seeing my peers and people ahead of me going through that process, my goal was to not have to have my mom pay for things anymore. I wanted to be able to pay for my own stuff, have my own life, and have my own, have basketball take care of my life. Yes. That's what the goal was, whether that's NBA or overseas. So... Um, through that process, my first agency I ever signed with out of a division two was Clutch Sports. It was the first, first, oh, wow. okay. first, first, first agency I ever signed with Andy B. Uh, I can't even say his last name. Andy B. Yep. International guy. I signed mm -hmm. on the international side. It was really cool for my university because they recruited me. They spoke to my head coach about my character. They recruited me from an aspect of character, work ethic. Did you do your pro day at LMU? Yes. Yes. I was there. It was. A, you did? I was there. <laughs> you had to crazy. Yeah, you had to been there. I was uh I was it was with um I had we had THT Darius Baisley, yes, so we yes. I was helping with their pre draft. And yes. then they was like, Yeah, we got our international guys covered it. Yes. That's wild. I'm Small a, world. Yeah. I didn't even know it. <laughs> good to see That's you again, really brother. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> I knew you knew you from man. But man, we we had a phenomenal, you know, they, they put together a great structure what Rich Paul and those guys do. Man, um, amazing. You know, and it's a it's a space for people to be great in their own regard. I just think that you know, over time, the overseas aspect, you would kind of get lost overseas. And my first contract I signed, I went to Lithuania Top Division, which is, at the time, uh, the Ball Brothers were there. So uh. it was really cool. With uh, I got a chance to line up against Leangelo, not Lamelo. He had already left to go to start the um, Spire Academy and going mm -hmm. through that process um, with a JBL. But um, overseas life, you know, that recruiting was, was difficult for me because a kid from California, from Los Angeles, you know, you're so used to certain things. And then you go to Lithuania which is a huge basketball country. And it's yes. a huge place to play the game. But then the cultural barriers, the food, the things that I didn't think about really took a hit on me as a mm. young kid. And uh, I found myself as like a, a, a big fish in, or a small fish in a big pond in a way, in a different analogy. It was very hard for me, cultural shocking. And it was a third world country. You know, they don't have washer dryer, you know, certain things you got to do to hang, hang it from the clothesline. So it was different. How did that impact your game on the court? Um, it, it had a strong impact because I felt like my off-court living was not what I wanted it to be. So it like it had a strong impact on my own court. And then 
you know, you have a certain level of competitive jealousy that, you know, you have between your domestic players of the country. So yeah. Lithuanian people looking at you like, man, I don't care where you're from. Like, this is my country. You're going to play by our rule. You're going to play how this. So there was like that give and take um, that I didn't learn a lot in my rookie year that I also take part in, you know, in that, mm-hmm. in that process as well. Like, I could have probably been a little bit stronger um, mentally, but, you know, um, that experience wasn't what it was. So we... Um, cut ties between me and Clutch and then came back to the States. Um, and then I had a G League opportunity to be with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, affiliate where that went well. You know, uh-huh. um, got cut after a few weeks, which, you know, that's the name of the game. So my rookie year was not anything short of ideal. How and long were you in Lu- 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 Lithuania? Five months. You were there five months. Yeah. You didn't play the whole season there? Half, uh, about, the season's are long. It's about nine months. So about half. So about you didn't play about half the season. Half and season. then you decided to leave. They cut you. Yeah. How did that and work? No, I decided to leave. You it, decided was, it was a mutual, mutual thing. Were you at least making money? Oh, yeah. You were making good money? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I, was, I was doing fine. You okay. Know what I, mean? I was doing. <laughs> I was like, you out there for a reason. Yeah, like, no, you I was, know. No, I was definitely getting my bread. Um, okay. In some places, and, and it wasn't coming. And see, I'm used to the States living and how things go. And, you know, in the States, you, you might see my mom get her check bi-weekly from first 15th, and that wasn't the case. So I had to learn that whole process of getting paid to, um, which was good for me. And now I can speak that to the to the next generation. How, so how were you getting paid? Let's talk about that. Well, it was, it was uh, <laughs> you know, it was very interesting. Um, I was getting paid in increments, so they would have enough money through the club, through fundraising, through different things that they were doing up front. And then the back end part of my check was getting wired to my agent, and the, the agent would wire it to me. Hmm. So, so that wire sometimes for the bread can take longer than, or the or the money transfers could take longer than your standard just getting you a check and you're right. depositing it. And I had a different SWIFT account that I had for my for my European money because they tax it. So it was like a right. lot of, it was a lot of hoops that you had to jump. So say you're supposed to get your money on the last day of the month, you probably wouldn't touch it till the mid of the month. Man. So yeah, there was a. So lot. be prepared for that overseas players. Yes, and, be prepared for that, especially and understand yeah. that process. That's good yeah, to know. In, in the Middle East, I mean, in the Eastern uh, Eastern Europe countries, it's a little different. They pay well, but you know you got to jump through a few hoops just to get down there a little right. bit. But um, great basketball though, great basketball. All right, so you, G League, you're with the Wisconsin Herd. Yes, okay. Wisconsin Herd. Wisconsin Herd, and um, got a couple weeks there, got released. What was the next? What year? This is 2020 at this point. 2018, 19. 18, 19. Okay. So then that was the end of my season as a rookie. Come back, switch agencies. I go to, I left and I went to CAA for a minute mm-hmm. and then didn't blend well with what they were looking for. And literally I signed with Excel Sports and it changed my career. Okay. Excel Sports. And then uh, shout out to Lance Young, changed my experience and uh, got me over to Denmark, which is a huge basketball country uh, as well. And it's a nice country. Nice country, <laughs> beautiful place, beautiful <laughs> right. people. Yep. Uh, in Scandinavia, there, Sweden and uh, Norway, beautiful spot. It's very cold for people that don't like the cold weather. <laughs> um, but overall, that experience changed my perspective on the game of basketball because of how much they value people mm-hmm. and how much they embrace me in their English-speaking country. Yeah, they, right. they, they speak Danish, but they speak English as their second language. Um, so, and the basketball there was phenomenal. I played against a lot of high-caliber guys. Um, a couple guys that ended up going to UConn. Ryan Boatwright was out there. Mm. Um, and I, and, and I was the leading scorer in the country when I was out there. So nope. that was always fun too. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. got the, the real experience and were you getting paid as much in Denmark as yes. you were in, let's yes. see. And so there, yes. <laughs> the opportunity and the situation <laughs> environment changed with the same kind of pay. And once again, we're going to chalk that up to, you know, the, your positivity and staying with it and not being discouraged. There's a lot of people who 
go into the international game and have a bad experience and like, yeah, this ain't for me. Yeah. And uh, don't keep it pushing and, and seeing what else is out there. And Man. Um, describe what people should look for when they're looking for an agency. You know, it sounds like you went through a couple different situations. Mm -hmm. Respect to them all, of course. But what was it about your relationship with Excel that was different from the others that people should look for for themselves? I think it's about caring about like you got to have a, you got to be able to sit down with your agent and and be able to have a coffee or do something like and just have that relationship because at the end of the day it is a relationship it's because you have to be able to trust the person that you're working with because if you don't trust them they're going to send you to a place that you don't know but if you if you have a trust in them and you have that relationship that, that foundation that's built you then do not mind where they're sending you because you know deep down in the intuition in your gut they're sending you to where you're supposed to be gotcha. right so you know, I think that's where I didn't have, I just thought about the biggest name, okay, Clutch, this, that, and the third. I'm like, man, this is fire, man. This, but now nah, you got to take a step back and, and think about it from a relationship standpoint. What What is it that they're going to be able to do for you on a more personal, take the basketball side. Mm. What What do they care, do they care about Todd as a person? Do they care about Austin as a person? Do they care about you? And if they care about you, they're going to will, willing to run through a wall for you. So yeah. I think that's the number one thing. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's good advice. Um, so carrying through, you were overseas, Denmark. Where is that? Pretty much where? Yeah, and then I, I had a stint in Serbia while I was there for a few months, and then and then I landed myself with the Sacramento Kings G League team there for about three months. This is just a year ago. Yes, yeah, just a year ago. Okay. Beautiful experience, man. I was uh, amongst some really good basketball players, uh, guys that were on two ways, uh, guys that are now getting called up and going to play in a different NBA market. So. Being able to see those guys grow and being in the in the trenches with them in the G League was was really cool. Learned a lot. Um, I was always a student of the game in those environments and built heavy relationships. And um, and yeah, I got ended up getting released um, by the time they brought in Trey Burke at my guard spot. They had one more guard spot available. They gave it to Trey Burke, and you know it's a you know political, but also like he's um, he's built a name for himself as well. Mm -hmm. Regardless of if I was better, I felt I was better or not. Um, you know, I trusted the organization's decision to be, yeah. to, and uh, we had a great relationship and we moved on. And I think that was kind of my like icing on the cake because I always wanted to give an NBA one more look, you yeah. know, and I think I was like, this is my opportunity. I didn't get it. Stay positive, stay humble and, and let's figure out what's next. Yeah. So what, what made you, what made you hang them up? What, what was it? Was it? because you gave it a shot and mm. that was it because i'm sure you go overseas and go make some money yeah, right now yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've been asked a lot you know there's a lot of different things that i'm gonna definitely tinker with as i'm growing in the coaching world because there is a space for me to still play i just have to figure out what it looks like whether that's um i talked to a couple of my mentors that work with the big three that's a big three tbt, yeah, TBT yep. things like that just to stay active and, and um i think my kids love me and show like watching me play yeah. Um, so I think um, that there's still a space for me to do that. But I think overall, I think I just knew because everything I've always done, I always just gave my all 100%. And when I was in Sacramento, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to the organization. I was there working out at 5 a.m. just like I was at the YMCA when I was a kid. Like I was there, pick, I was bugging the coaches. Hey, man, I know they were probably mad at me. They are like, man, I'm trying to get some, <laughs> get some rest. You know, I'm like, yo, can I get some work in? Can we work on this? Can we work on that? Can you walk me through this? So I was always in the gym being a gym rat and studying the game. So when I, when I, when I was released, I had no regrets because I looked back and I was like, man, I gave everything I had to the game. And I think the, the process of, and I, and, and that summer I had been with AAU with BTI 
and um, learning the game, you know, as far as mentoring the kids. And I had like a team mm-hmm. I was coaching in the spring that I was right before I went up to Sacramento. And, you know, I think that that changed my perspective to, and the love and like the, the, the love that I could give to the game was kind of going in another place. Man, I felt it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's a, it's a smooth transition. You know, some people stumble for a couple of years, try to do other stuff and been able to transition to coaching and yeah, your head coach in a year, you know, like no, it's ridiculous. you had BTI, the King's <laughs> viewpoint, and then you're a head coach at Burroughs. So what can we look forward to at you being at the helm at Burroughs this year? Man, um, I think a lot of it is learned from, from my mentor, which is Coach Prince, man. Shout out to Coach Prince. He's uh, one of the greatest in the game. Go down in the Hall of Fame, absolutely, when he's done. We come from the coaching tree of Russell White, which mm-hmm. I know he had. So, um, you know, I think um, what you can expect is is a lot of the same, a lot of positive, positivity, high energy. Um, as a basketball player, I was never like a, like a quiet individual. I was always vocal. I was always a leader. I was always a lead by example, but also lead with my voice. So leading the next generation, showing them that, you know, um, to be leaders and raising young leaders in the game. I think that's what it is. Everybody has their own integral piece that they play to the puzzle. And whether you're on the first five, to the bench, to the manager, to our assistants, everybody plays a role in this tiered leadership that we have, because it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's different tiers to it. And um, just master it and be a leader, because that's what I'm essentially raising as young leaders in this world. And they're not all going to go on to be professional athletes or college mm-hmm. athletes. Some of them are going to be accountants. Some of them are going to be lawyers. Some of them are going to be business owners and work for Fortune 500. Some people are going to be, you know, chefs. And I just want them to take that leadership aspect in every step of the way. So, um, yeah, that's uh, the three things I expect is work, hard work ethic. Um, you got to be have high character, and you got to be willing to love the game. You got to love the game. Got to love the game. I like that one. Love, love the game, game. Love man. The game. That's. That's that's dope, man. Um, congrats. Like this, this is exciting, man. I didn't know, you know, that you were like literally just playing, just playing, and transitioning to coaching so fast to to be a head coach. And, uh, man, uh, hang on to your mentors. Yes. Uh, did you watch the episode with Russ White? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Watch the full. Let, thing. Go listen. I was like, just go listen to him because he he gives the blueprint to all y'all who are trying to coach. Go listen to Russ White's episode. It was long. It was almost two hours long, but I listened to every uh, <laughs> But it was so much game in that uh, for new coaches, for old coaches, even if you're trying to navigate this game, the things that are important. Him, Dave, Dave Rabibo's episode as well was very out. was very um, uh, educational for mm-hmm. people who are trying to coach in this game. Um, so got some got some good mentor uh, mentors with JJ and man. that whole coaching tree and, and all you got so great to great people man and I'm thankful for him absolutely because I couldn't have got the confidence to even be in this position uh, without them and it's I think it's just funny that I'm coaching now at my rival school which is something <laughs> that we, we we laugh about a lot so yeah that's gonna be fun man it's that's gonna, be, gonna fun. be fun and um, you should win when you play them that's oh we gotta, be, we gotta be Burbank it's different now I'm wearing a red I'm not wearing a blue it's gonna be different different. All right, so um, this is a part of our show we call My Four, my, I mean My Rushmore, your top four. Um, we're going to go big guard. Since you're a big guard, top four big guards all time? All time. All time. Got to go all time. Let's get it. All right, man. So starting first and foremost. And when we say big guard, we're saying 6'4 and up. 6'4 and so up. So we, we, we're going to uh, establish the hype. 6'4 yes, and up. 6'4 and up. And so I'm going... Off top, what a lot of people have compared me to him just throughout the nature of my game, 
Number one for me is Penny Hardaway. Okay. Because uh, especially Orlando Penny, he was a spectacular. I mean, he's ridiculous. Like in his yeah. creativity, his flash, about six, seven, six, eight. He's on the wall, blue chips. They say, yeah, when he was in blue chips, he was good. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Most kids, man, today, nowadays, go cut on the YouTube, cut on the film, and watch Penny Hardaway because he was special. Um, I got to go with another one that he played. He played big guard, but I go, I'm going. Do we count big forward? Can we go big? Who, like who a, are you talking? Just say the name and then we can. Because I got to go Bron. Yes. It, oh, no. He's, he's, can I put Bron? 100%. Okay. Bron is a PG at home. Yeah. I mean, he's a, I don't even need to speak on Bron. <laughs> I think we all know. We don't even need to. I let this, the, the, the studio analyst and everybody talk about it, but his game is absolutely special. Um, what he's able to do with the basketball and what he's able to do since he was 15 all the way until now is right. unprecedented. One of the best careers that we'll ever see. And being able to points, rebounds, assists as a big guard is spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, number three is a sleeper pick for me because most people don't like him. Not, not like him, but may not know him. But Lamar Odom, I feel mm. like he's a big guard. And especially younger in his career, he was asked to bring the ball up for the Clipper teams that I was able to watch as a kid coming up. And he was so special. He was yeah. a lefty. Being able to be 6'9", 6'10", handle the ball. Yep. Um, he was one of the best guards I've ever seen on the perimeter. He was an X factor when the Lakers won them <laughs> titles, man. Like people, people didn't understand how integral he was. I don't think, and you know, unfortunately, his life events made yeah. him kind of fall off just from a, you know, that respect as aspect kind of. But man, as a basketball player, yeah. Lo was that dude. Lo was special, man. Um, we don't win those championships without his contribution. Yeah. And, uh Lastly, I got to save it for the, the numero uno big guard for me, which is Magic Johnson. Okay. And Magic is just, uh, I think, the charismatic, the, the free-flowing, how he plays the game. He brought the excitement to the game. You know, people came to the game to watch the show, watch Magic and watch Showtime. Um, and he was all of spectacular. I mean, he averaged 10-plus assists for his whole career, yeah. and he made it look so cool while he was doing Man. it, the no looks. and. Smiling, yes. and but it was a na it was like a, a natural killer behind that though. Like just because he was smiling doesn't mean that he wasn't going to rip your heart out. Right. So that was on my Mount Rushmore, man, and I'm a, I'm gonna stand on those. And I, honorable I like mention, him. I'll go uh, Drew Holiday because I'm a LA guy. I got it though. We talked about Drew, so yeah, big Drew, man. Yeah, shout out absolutely. to Drew, man. Uh, all time, yeah, it's gonna be very similar. Magic, for sure. I think he is the, you know, the pinnacle of big guard. Just he changed the game. Just being that big and, and tall in the basketball game and being able to man, his passes are just crazy, man. I, I watch them once a month just to remember. Like, <laughs> like never forget what this man did on the court is uh his, his vision, his unselfishness. Um, and like you said, hit the we talked about it um with Thomas when Coach uh, Thomas Blunt was on here, man, the joy he played with. He did it with a smile, man. And so um magic for sure. LeBron. I think LeBron, it's weird. So Jordan's my GOAT. I'm going to say it like this. Jordan is my GOAT, but LeBron is the best player, if I, if that even makes sense. It does, it does, it does. I think Jordan's cultural impact and his mentality and all this, like, like if I want to be like somebody, I want to be like Jordan. Yes. Let me say it like that. Yes. Basketball player-wise, man, it's hard to what well, LeBron has done since he's been the best player in the league since his second year in the league yeah he's done it that, that's my belief I'll just look at what he done what he's continuing to do today um and yeah he's he's a big guard like oh yeah, yeah you can say what you want whatever i mean i think on uh 
or in 2K, they have him as a small forward, right? Like, Stop get out of here. Stop <laughs> Get out of here. Guard. He got <laughs> the ball in his hands to make the most <laughs> yeah. decisions. You know, he, he's a big guard. And um, for sure. Him, uh, Drew Holiday's actually in my top four. I, I love Drew because of his defensive efforts. And it's between him and Gary Payton. Ooh. We, we forget the glove, right? I have to give it to Drew. Not that this matters, but it does. But he got a chip. Yes, yeah, I mean, he, he won doing it. Gary Payton does, too. Gary Payton got one in Miami. He does, he does, he does, I, he does, I'm, he does. But it's, it's, it's different, different, different yeah, parts yeah, of yeah, their yeah, career. Yeah. And uh, I love GP, love GP. Yes. I, I give it to Drew, though, just in his unselfishness, because he's capable of doing so much more offensively, but he caters to his teams and does it the right way. And um, can't, can't wait to see where he ends up. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's just in, kind of in Portland right now, yes. right? Yes, oh, he's going to be special wherever um, he goes. Fourth... Man, Penny's, Penny's interesting. I know. The trajectory. It's, yeah, the injury. Yeah, it's tough. And and I might have to give it to... <laughs> don't kill me for this one. I might have to give it to Shy, man. Give it to SGA. I mean, I'm not going to kill you for that. I'm Is it Shay, Shy? Whatever. I mean, he's different regardless. He's different, man. Yeah, he's different. He cold, man. No, and, he's different. And uh, shout out to Olin. And yeah, the work putting in and whoever else bought him up in Canada. Like, yeah. boy, he's cold, man. He's special. And I, I think he he's Penny Hardaway. He has yeah. that mold to him. Yeah. Um, he's special. Yeah. And I think he's, he's just going to continue to get better and better. First but our man, he's he's intriguing, man. Just the ease in which he does everything with the Pace. game. And so, uh, first sorry to all you other big guards, but uh, yeah. that's my four. <laughs> first, first team All NBA. You can't even you can't even say that. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he do the special one hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our next next flow to the show is um, where were you in? And so we're going to bring it back to your LA dude. So I'm sure you watch the Lakers. I'm mm-hmm. sure you have Kobe in your. I think Kobe's in all of our hearts. When Kobe dropped the sixty in his last game at the Staples Center. Man. Well, was it? Crypto then? It was Staples. It's still Staples Center. That's what I call it. Staples Center. It's still the Staples Center. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where were you when that happened? What was that? What was that impacting your life? Man, uh, well, first and foremost, as you say, like your personal favorites and everything. Like Michael Jordan is my goat, but I think Kobe's my goat just because I grew up. I grew up with Kobe. You know what I mean? So he won his first championship when I really started taking a liking to the game in '99. I was about four or five years old, and then carried it on, saw the three peat, but. Man, uh, for his so I saw his whole career grow, and I think for me uh, that final game was so heartfelt, knowing that the farewell tour because it was leading up into it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had to make sure wherever I was at, I wanted to be at home. I wanted to be at home during that time because yeah. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to be at friends' house. I didn't want to be out at a party, anything to watch it at a restaurant. I was like, no, nah, I need to lock in because this is so sentimental to me. So my parents went out on a date shut my phone off and I'm sitting there on the TV, got the sound system booming from the moment that they, they the, the production and everything. It was like, it was the most beautiful send off to a basketball player I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen any basketball player in, or any player in this sport ended off in that capacity. Right. Like, yep. I mean, everybody that knows Cole, you know, he was a tough shot maker. He was a volume guy at times. So I didn't expect him to not get up volume in that game. All right. As he should, right? He, he, he earned that right. He put in millions of shots in his career and millions of hours in the gym. But hit, for him to cap it off like that, man, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I can't even like sit back. I'm, I'm just sitting there like not eating nothing. Like I'm just watching it, like watching this dude pour it on. And more importantly, like I went to talk to him in the beginning, 
my mom said, you do anything, you got to win. And he won that game. Yes. They won that game. People don't remember that. He had like mm-hmm. about 50 with about two minutes left. And then he poured on that last 10, yeah. patting it, getting to the elbow, hitting the right the right jumper on the midi. They oh, played man. against Utah, I believe. Yeah, Utah. It, the part about that was like Utah didn't even know it. Like it was, it was, they were in awe as well. <sighs> they were playing. They were definitely trying to win, but they were just in awe of Kobe as well. That's what I remember about that. It's, yeah. How could you not, man? That dude's aura was so different, and his his um, his mentality and who he was lives on in in in, in the generations today. So that yeah. game right there was, I mean, I, there's a bunch of games I could allude to, but I think that one right there is like to end off, and then the Mamba out, and the Mamba out, uh, yes. drop the mic, yeah, drop the mic, it's <laughs> ball game. Ball yeah, no, game. I I remember watching it as well, and it was like you said, it wasn't like a jumping up excitement every time he hit a shot it was just like is this serious is this real it was surreal like is this real how is this happening like how can this man's career literally be capped off by this this performance like like yo he he, you that dude man mental toughness man like he's that guy and to do it in that fashion at his house get get the dub like you said um yeah man it, it gave me a uh, you know, I I didn't start respecting Kobe till later in my life. Yeah, um, I was a Kobe hater growing up. I don't know why it was dumb. The first year I had his jersey is when he cut his hair, man. When he lost the afro, yeah. for me, I don't know what it was when I was a kid. But um, and then I was like, I realized how stupid I was for not respecting uh, the Mamba, and uh, that took it to a different level. I became a Kobe fanatic after the day he did that and he retired. Like that's when I was like, I dove deep into everything Kobe from a mentality perspective and all that like became a really big fan so that that was a pivotal moment in my life for you know to under really understand who Kobe was and um so man always man it's always great to remember what 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 he did uh, for the game and the legacy he left um for all of us to enjoy man so man always shots out the code man and and I'm glad you converted over to the Kobe side, man. You know what I mean? That's, hey. Because at the end of the day, he does that to a lot of people, man. We, we ain't going to talk about that, man. Yeah. That's not what this show's about. Listen, listen, we all make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> no. I, <yeah. laughs> no. That's a fact, man. Yeah. That's no, a man. fact. Um, awesome. So this is where we flip the script. Mm-hmm. You become the interviewer. You got two questions for me. So I want to ask you from um, you being a, a do coach, like what I call you a do coach. You, you do things and you show the kids. What do you do? So... Who inspired you? I know you said Chris Johnson, but in your basketball journey, like who inspired you? What player? What was it? Parent? Well, who inspired you? Or, or I'm sure it's not yeah. just one, but it's yeah, there's a. I think it's multiple people. I think every um, piece of my career, there was somebody who had a huge impact. When I first started playing, my best friend's brother, shout out to Randall Green, man. He's the one who he showed me that. First thing he taught me was the AI crossover and how to shoot over a broom. Mm. You know, we outside uh, growing up in Corona. And, uh, yeah, we, we just had a neighborhood hoop that one of the neighbors had out, and he showed me the game. Like, I, literally, I was 11 years old when I first picked up a ball. And, um, yeah, man, I fell in love with the AI cross. And one mixtapes single-handedly had me – I was I, mean, I had handles because <laughs> and one mixtape. So that had a big oh, impact. Man. My first coaches, um, I played NJB. So, yeah, you know, like Parker, yeah, NJB. And so – uh, Randy Cole and Henry Woodard, um, man, they they took me in. Their sons played, and they were really good. 
and um, I was the third person on their NJB team. We went ten and zero. We went nine and one. We forgot to play somebody who was supposed to play, so, and yeah, they did. we were we ten and zero, undefeated for the NJB league. We took it. I became an all star. They picked me as an add on all star to that team, and then we took that team and became an AAU team, Norco Tar Heels. And so we were the one of the first. Um, club teams out in the Riverside, like uh, Riverside yeah, had one, I think, yeah, but yeah. but in Corona we were one of the first ones. So, um, man, that, it changed my life. I was, you know, I was on the AAU scene, and I didn't I didn't understand it. And but they taught me they taught me hard work. They taught me leadership. I was a cap. I didn't start. I was a six man pretty much my whole career, and um, they made me the captain still. Like they just taught, they saw the leadership ability in me, um, and it that took me to you know going to high school and um, my coaches, I had one good coach in high school. My other coaches, I I, I, um, I don't think they liked me or they don't understand who I was yeah, <laughs> and how to develop me. I had one was my, uh, Tim Denson, went to Colorado State and yeah, yeah. uh, okay. Cal State San Bernardino. His dad was my JV coach and he, he, he treated me like a son. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was awesome and had a big, big impact on my life. And then when I moved to Kansas, the one who really changed is Coach Kyle Lindstedt. Um, he showed me real hard work. Like, I worked hard effort-wise, but he showed me the work to get somewhere. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, when I went from, like, oh, you're a good high school player to, oh, you're a college player, is when he got me in the gym. He got me doing all the strength and conditioning stuff. And here's a book on how to be a point guard. And, like, really wow. did it. And literally in four or five months, had me playing in front of college coaches ready to go. Like, wow. and to this wow. day, we talk, we talk almost every day now. Yeah. yeah. And, um, he, huge impact. And, um, then from there is his trainers, you know, Joe Bunasar with impact basketball. Um, he, so Gio, uh, who actually used to run impact in LA, he's the one who kind of taught me how to train a little bit, okay. introduced me to some stuff. Olin Simplis, when I, I was a coach at Campbell Hall when Khalil played there. Ah, and so Olin okay. showed me some stuff with the bands and like got, got on that side. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's, 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 and then Chris Johnson is the one who like showed me the game, man. Sure. He showed me how to be a developer. Like before I was a trainer. And now you're a developer. He, Chris Johnson showed me how to be a developer, man. Wow. Huge impact on my whole being and put me in the gym with LeBron, D-Wade. Wiggins, anybody, you know, like all through all that, man. He's and he's like, that's my guy, man. He puts me in great positions through this basketball world. Um, and it's because I work hard, though. Yeah, yeah, it all it all all goes back to my first coaches, though. Working hard, just work hard and be coachable. That's what I was. You got to, and and it got it's gotten me to where I'm at. So, huge impact. Um, that's on the court. Um, my mama's voice is always in the back of my head, like, like she just. She just supports me. She's never she's never talked to a coach about my playing time. She's never um, come in the gym while and now. Um, she just she just supports me. Like that's it. Oh, that's what you're doing, son. I got you. Uh, to the, to to my kids. Hey, yo, daughter. Uh, your her granddaughter. Right, my daughter does gymnastics. She buys gymnastics equipment. She just yeah. supports my so, life. Man, and so my mom's is um is is uh, you know. That's my heart. So I love to hear yeah. that, man. Because, I mean, to touch on the the mom part, I mean, the moms are make the girl world go round, man. Yeah. Moms do, man. Yeah. Strong mom make everything good, make everything better. And then, I know Isaiah Johnson very well. His son, Lose. Oh yeah, he's tough. Tough. Play BTI. So yes. yeah, he's he's gonna be one of them ones yes. because of the development and his mental. So and he don't he's doing it the right way. He's doing it the right way. Baby stepping it, 
He's on it, man. I'm a big fan of his game, and I'm left-handed. He's lefty, so (laughs) he got one. And then my other question for you is off the court base. So, okay, okay. So, are you a breakfast, lunch, dinner guy? And of those ones, what's the ideal meal for you? Oof, man, I love some breakfast. Okay, I'm a breakfast guy. I love breakfast. If I can have a meeting, it's going to be during the breakfast slash brunch time. Okay, and what are you having? What am I having? Man, I'm going right now. I'm going to And Waffles. It's a restaurant. They have one in Studio City and Woodland Hills. They started in Fresno. They're a black-owned uh, cafe. They, they open up early. They close at 3. They I'm serve breakfast the whole time, though. Man, these waffles, it's like, crazy. they melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Pause. <laughs> and, uh, is they, bro, these waffles are fire. And then they got the omelet. So they have the little uh, shrimp omelet with uh, jalapeno and this cheese. And, you said ands and, and waffles. And wa- we gonna go. We gonna is go. It, we is, gonna hang out. Right, now? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, we go. We go hit the spot, man. It's uh, it's fire. So that's that's. I'm taking the breakfast and uh, breakfast guy throwing and it down with the omelet and the waffle right now. Uh, and then apple and, and then apple or orange juice to go with it. Are you apple or your juice? Man, I drink tea. I don't really drink juice like that, man. I have green tea. They have a nice oh, green tea with apricot and a, uh, and a hint of mint. Oh, this guy. This guy's special, man. Hey, listen, I'm a little bougie. Yeah. I ain't going to lie. Elevate I'm a little bougie. your game, man. This is special. That's going to elevate you for real, man. Yeah, man. Wow. No question, So man. we definitely got to get up on breakfast for sure. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, man. Um, so this you got a 24-second shot clock. Okay. Nobody has stayed within the 24 seconds, so I'm trusting you to do that. Easy. Come on, uh, let the people know how to reach you and anything encouraging that you want to tell them or anything going on that they can support. Let them know in that camera right there. Hey, man, I'm Austin Pope. You can support me at John Burroughs. Man, come out and watch the boys defend the den. Bear the Burroughs Bears bear down. Um, we have a brand that's coming up called Just Work, and it, it is exactly what it is. It's Just Work. So no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in life, outside the, outside the court, on the court, just work, no matter what happens. That's the mentality. So let's get it. Let's get it. That's all I got. He man. stayed under 24 seconds. Let's go. The first one. Brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.